Hey friends, welcome to another episode of the Lucky Few Podcast, where we are shifting the narrative by shouting the worth of people with Down syndrome. This is Micah, Mercedes, and Heather. And today we are going a little deeper about IEPs and talking about how to handle pushback and negativity when we're advocating for our kids or our loved ones with Down syndrome. Friends, welcome to the Lucky Few Podcast. Hey, Heather here, and we are so excited to get to share with you our sponsor for this week's episode, Jonas Paul Eyewear, with home try-on kits for just a dollar that allow you to try out their glasses for a week without even leaving home, and prescription glasses starting at $79, including prescription lenses, Jonas Paul Eyewear is our go-to for glasses for our kiddos between the ages of 4 and 16. Head to JonasPaulEyewear.com to learn more. All right. Hey, everybody. Hi, friends. Hi, friends. Hi. <laughs> Happy July. You guys, today's my anniversary with my husband, <gasps> July 21st. Get out. Yay. Happy anniversary. Guess how many years we've been married? Uh, 15. 16. 18 years. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. Your marriage is an adult. I know. Your like, marriage can vote. Your parents can vote. Not quite drink yet, but vote. <laughs> in Europe, in Europe, we'd be drunk. Yeah. <laughs> Our marriage would be drunk. Hey. <laughs> but Americans are not allowed in Europe right now. So, oh, no. gosh. Thank you for reminding us. <laughs> oh, that's the noise I make when I think about all the not being allowed places. <laughs> I'm going to bring us straight into this conversation because we'll just be honest with our listeners. We got, we are on a time crunch here and we got stuff to talk about. So I think the way this got brought up is we actually had some people write in and talk about that. They've had a really negative experience with their IEP for their Mm -hmm. daughter and she's going to be going into fourth grade. And they also said they don't know who's listening. So we're not giving it, we're not going to tell, we're not naming names, right? but their, their daughter's going to have the same teacher next year and they've had some negative experiences with this teacher. Mm-hmm. And so, and the teacher's not leaving the team and the relationship is really hard and there's lack of communication. Mm-hmm. Um, she feels like the teacher has been very easily hurt when questioned about things mm-hmm. and becomes real defensive when there's any kind of pushback. Right. And then there's anger and she's gotten emotional texts from the teacher oh, wow. afterwards with apologies. And it's, it's really hard. It's hard to have a negative IEP team member yeah. and IEPs are hard. And I, I have found some Mace face, Macy Moo is going into sixth grade. So we started IEPs when she was three. So what's that? How many years, how many years have we been doing IEPs with me? Just turned 12. So thank nine. you. <laughs> so we've been Happy doing IEPs. Yeah. We've been doing IEPs for Mason for nine years. We do a three or four a year. We're that kind of family. Bless us. <laughs> and I was on the other side of the IEPs as a special educator. And I ran IEP meetings 
I had like usually a caseload of 20 to 25 students who I ran IEPs for. And I was a very different person in each role. So that's always interesting too. I have found both as the parent role and as the educator role for whatever reason, and I'm sure there are experts listening who know this, there has been created such an us versus them mentality when it comes to educator and parent. I have found just in listening in the space to other parents and to young parents who reach out for IEP advice, I have found that there is a sense of when your child goes in, when you go into your first IEP for your child, usually it's around three years old, you have to be equipped almost like you're stepping into a battlefield. Mm -hmm. And I think that teachers feel that too. Have you girls felt that at all? And I know Mercy, Mm -hmm. you've been doing homeschool. And Mm -hmm. so there's a little bit of a difference, but because you are the teacher, but you also Mm -hmm. still have to have a team Mm -hmm. of people to, who are part of the IEP process for her, for Sunny. We just started that um, within the homeschool world. So she, I just signed off on what our plan was and it feels, it's, I liked the team a lot. Like a lot of the things that I worried about cannot be addressed yet. So this is what I wonder why I like them because of COVID. Like I would, there are within charter and homeschool, you can still send your kiddos to take certain classes um, that are offered through charter programs. And so I requested, I would like Sunny to do that. And I requested a one-on-one aid, but none of that stuff can be addressed until COVID because she needs to have in-person interview with the psychologists and all that. So we shall see. I felt like I got to cover a lot of positive, right? Because what we're really, I think, addressing are opposing views on how to not handle, but how to address your child's needs within classroom, right? So I feel like that is the jury still out on my experience because that wasn't able to be addressed um, because of COVID because we can't have in-person interviews. Right. Sunny actually does well virtually because she is likes computers. And the only thing that she's not good at is letting me help her with anything with the, in the computer. So like, there's so many videos of her being like, no mom. When I'm like, oh, I think I got to push her closer. No, don't touch the computer. So, but other than that, she's actually really self-sufficient with the computer. Um, so we're going to be doing speech again and OT, but all virtually. So again, like now, but then we're going to have to see how she does with that weekly. Right. And right. see if she actually can do therapies virtually, or is it going to be a hassle? And then when it becomes a hassle, if it does, and I bring that back up, what pushback am I going to, like, I already kind of assume I'll get pushback mm. and I don't know why, but I feel like all parents do feel that way. So then what is that defensive? There's a wall. And then on the opposite teachers, okay, here comes that mom. Then there's right. a defense and there's a wall. So I yeah. see a them, a us versus them cycle in mindset. Yeah. 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 I feel like, you know, I, when I went into the first ACEs first IEP, I went having like, I went terrified because mm. I, been to all the workshop and I'd taken so many notes and I had like my plan and I had my book and I don't know all 
all the things that I was supposed to do. And I think it's really, I mean, it's set up to be difficult. It's just, it just is. It's like, we've we've talked about how, uh, I think in our last conversations about uh, conversation about IEPs, Heather, we talked about how the system is not made for our kids. Right. And so IEPs are a, a way of trying to make the system fit. It's, you know, it's like greasing the key that doesn't fit into the locker or whatever. I don't know what the metaphor is, but it's, I don't know how you avoid the difficulty of it. And, and I do feel like it's a really challenging thing for us as parents because we know our kids and we, especially those of us who are in these spaces and have been kind of trained, like you are the expert in your child, like you pay attention right. to things and you bring the evidence and, you know, you do what you're supposed to do, but at the same time, we're not special educators. And I think that that is a lot of where the clash is coming in saying, okay, I know I have to fight you. And the educators are sort of like, I wish you would trust me that I'm an educator. And it's hard. It's really hard to know. It is. I know. And I, and I even think, I started thinking like, so for my district, right, for Mason in August, they, we have 20,000 students in our district. And 2,000 of them have IEPs or in the, or in the special ed program. Mm-hmm. And so if you think about what an IEP is, it's an individualized educational plan. That's a lot. That's a lot. And, and if you look at it, I think from like a bird's eye view, right? Like let's go 10,000 feet. It's actually this beautiful idea that people are coming together, all these experts, and we're saying, how do we make education work individually for you? Because we're only doing it for a certain for 10% of the kids, right? Like not all the kids get this. So if you look at it that way, then it's like, wow, this is, I feel that way too. Every time we're around a table and there's like 19 people or whatever, we've had right. that happen before. Yeah. And it's like, oh my gosh, all of you guys, this meeting is costing taxpayers a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm so thankful for all your expertise. I don't, I'm mm-hmm. not going to feel bad about it. You know, I'm not right. feeling bad about that. I'm grateful for all of this, but why is it still so why does it still feel like we're not all on the same page? Right. right. And I think it's just sometimes there's, a, there's been so many bad apples. That's been my experience. Like we, for the most part, have had these really great teams. And I think this, the um, listener who wrote in about this, she has this teacher who's really hard on the team. And for, for my experience, which is all I can speak to, and it's not going to apply to everybody, right? Obviously. But I think about, people on a team that we, I should have asked them. I should have said, I don't think that you are a productive member on this team. I need someone Mm. else. I don't like to do those things. I'm a people pleaser on an IEP team. If you feel that there is someone on the team who truly is not contributing in a way that is productive or beneficial, because at the end of the day, everybody on the team except for the parent is a professional and they need to be professional within that space. And that is, that is a realistic expectation in my opinion. And then it can get like, well, if this is the only special ed teacher, if this is the only teacher available, then it's a different conversation, you know, cause, cause then I had Mason had um, one of her teachers. I'm not going to say when, cause I don't want to get real specific, but there was a team member at one point who was, so 
unbelievably negative, no matter what we said, the goals she presented. I mean, it was like, are you serious? Like you're seriously going to sit around this table with that kind of attitude. I mean, literally her body language, arms crossed. And it was like saying things like, well, she can't do that. Well, she doesn't do that. Well, I don't know how that's going to work because she can't even do that. I mean, that was literally how she spoke. And I had to re and then we had some conversations on the phone that were so inappropriate. And I had to reach out to the principal and be like, this is what's happening in these conversations. And this is inappropriate. Like it's just inappropriate for an educator to be speaking to a parent like this. So, but I didn't ask for a new team member and we went an entire year with her on the team. And I regret that. Mm -hmm. I think at the beginning of the year, I should have said this, I'm so sorry, this isn't working. And unless you can enter into this space with a, as a team player and with a better attitude, it's just not productive. So deuces. Right. Cause how can you have an IEP team when you have a poor team member? Like, right. Doesn't that take away like the team aspect? Like we're all here for your child. Yes. Yeah. Negative. Yeah. That doesn't feel that way. Right. I think, I think that's so such a good point to make Heather. And, um, and I think, you know, for every, anything that is complicated, like an IEP, where we're entering into these conversations that are, I mean, there's just so much to it. There's so many goals. There's, there's so many different expertise sitting around the table. I think there is a real balance that we have to figure out how to, how to strike between we are here to be the advocate for our child. We know our child. And then we also are, are working with these people who are experts in whatever their fields are. You know, we have the expert in speech and the expert in, um, in the classroom and, and all of those things. And so figuring out how, I think it's so hard to know how much to push back, Mm -hmm. to push back, how much to receive, like they are telling us what our child does in the classroom and and I, I was telling you guys earlier, I think it took me a while in IEPs to really hear the teachers telling me this, the, um, what they were seeing in, in terms of what turned out to be ACE's autism. Mm. Like there were, I think when ACE was when a half three, when we started the process, he, he had a lot of signs. He was making a lot of progress in the home. And as that first year of pre-K went on, there was regression. There was regression in the classroom. There was regression mm-hmm. at home. I, I was seeing it as like, oh, he's having a hard month. He's having a hard couple of months or, you know, whatever it is. I think for me, there was, I had to kind of learn a balance of now it's time for me to listen and hear what you're telling me. You're telling me that Ace is not transitioning without holding his hand. You're telling me that he can't focus and do what the other kids are doing when they go, you know, to sensory time or whatever it was. And I think that's really tricky because mm-hmm. we, especially when we've been as, as parents in this community, like, you know, your kid and you need to be strong and go in and say what you know they can do. And for me, I knew he could do some things, but we started to see those things lost Mm. and um, there was a lot more going on and it wasn't just that I needed to like stand my ground, if that makes sense. Right. Cause it's also kind of hard cause we are taught, um, or I guess not taught, but told be positive. Right. Not yet. 
you know, like these, they're not doing these things yet. Like, I don't know. It's hard. I could see, I would miss those things too. Cause I'm staying positive, right. oh, but, but how are you guys transitioning, you know, questioning. Right. And then yeah. like, yeah. I, I just feel like that could be so many of our stories and how we act, you know, or how we feel we're championing for our child. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I think that from my experience and even hearing you talk, Micah, about, about your experience that you were sharing with ACE and you can correct me here, obviously if I'm wrong, but it feels like there's a lack of trust Mm -hmm. and I don't know where that's coming from. Like, has it just only ever been that way since IEPs have existed (laughs) or what? Because I feel like I hear this a lot. And even in all my trainings that I've gone to and in my own experiences that you start out, like, I don't feeling, and and no one's saying this, but thinking, I don't trust you as a teacher, as a Mm -hmm. professional, as an admin, because you, because my child I think when it's a non-inclusive school, I'm saying, I want my kid to be in a certain way in school. Let's not even say inclusion. I want my child to be in this space. It is their right. They deserve this. And you have carved out a special separate space that I don't believe they should be in. Therefore, I don't trust your judgment. Like there's a a lack of trust. And then I'm coming in like, this is what I need for my kid. And then they're like, well, I'm not going to totally trust you because of last year's irate parent that I dealt with or whatever. Yes. And- I have found, and I, I don't, I say this knowing that this can't be the case for everybody. And, and I'm not hundred percent sure why it's been the case for me the last couple of years. But when we went into fourth grade, we went in, I went in pretty bruised and defensive because of our experience in trying to get Mason into a certain space and not agreeing on issues and having tense IEPs and trying to be like, Hey, you know, this is why we believe what we believe. We really would love your support here. And then like the pushback and there was lack of trust. And then when we moved to a new school and our very first IEP, I just was like, I, I do not want us to be on a battlefield here. There's too much at stake. And I remember sitting down with the team and like starting that way and just saying, Hey, before we start, I just need to say that this is what I want for Mason. And it was just like very clear. Um, This is why I want that. And I need you to want it too. And it's simple. Like I want Mason to be fully, a full, fully included valued member of her community for her whole life. And it's Mm going to start here in school today. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's going to trickle into everything that we do, but it starts in the school. Mm -hmm. And this is why, this is how I think we can get there. You are professionals and I want your input, but I need to know that your input is going to really have Mason's best in mind, Mm -hmm. not a dollar sign, not a, like it's going to be too hard. Like mm-hmm. let's get creative, educated to some of the most creative people on the planet. Mm-hmm. How can we make this work? And so we started it and it set a tone in which we made so much progress. And it was one of my greatest IEP teams that we've had that year. And her general education teacher it got to the point where towards the end of the year, we're looking at Mason's academics and her academic growth was very slow. And at one point her teacher was really really considering, like, I think Mason maybe should be in a separate special education classroom, but we had gained so much ground together. And mm-hmm. there was so much mutual trust that when she said it to me, we were able to have a dialogue about it, that I, that I believed her. It was mm-hmm. like, okay, I'm actually, I really want your opinion because you right. love her so much and you're an incredible educator. 
and you, ha- you know more about this than I do. You're the teacher, mm-hmm. you know, in, in this that. regard. Right. But there is the foundation of trust. Without right. that foundation, it's all very fragile. And I don't yeah. even know how, to, how you deal. It's hard too because, so the foundation of trust, there's so many unspoken feelings, looks, tones, words that go into an IEP because sometimes that foundation of trust can be established right away. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to take time based on how you respect, right? Respecting and more than that, but like, I guess a posture, the respectful words, tone, the positive feelings that you get off, give, giving off the concern that you're giving off. Yeah. I don't know how to say it, but like, I just feel like it can be turned around and you can establish trust right away just by showing parents or parents showing the educators your, your tone, your, um, like you said, like you said, Heather, I just love that whole verbiage of like Mason is going to be wholeheartedly accepted within your community, starting with school. Like, I mean, that's just the beginning ground for all of us really. So I feel like setting that tone and your desire and establishing that you come there hoping and willing that they're going to be aligning with you in that. And then like, how are they going to carry that out? How are they going to then speak to you? How are they going to address to you her weaknesses along with her strengths? Like, I just feel like all those undertones go in the communication of developing that trust. And it's not impossible that can, it can be, trust can be there within the first meeting, yeah. but it also can go so south also yeah. and trust will then be broken. Yeah. I just feel like there's, I feel there. like, yeah, I think Heather, we need you to write all of that down and then <laughs> yes, available the verbiage all day. for a small price. An online course. <laughs> Done. And, um, <laughs> I mean, I really do think that there's, there is what you have that is wisdom and generosity with strength. And I feel like Mm -hmm. that is the, what, what we as parents need. And it's so hard. It's asking so so much of us, but to go into these things with that willingness to be generous to the experts in the room Mm -hmm. and and to build that trust and to be the leader, because for some reason, we, the parents are, are supposed to be the leaders. And right. so, but to do that with this, the strength, um, that also is trying to build trust. Like yeah. it's, it's hard. Mm-hmm. It's hard. Cause also it's, then it's your kid. So the emotional collateral that exists there. And as a parent, you should be allowed to have that, you know, like the educators know you are the professional at the table. And I believe the parent role is the most important. And I think it's, I think a lot of it in any kind of relationship relation, you need good communication. Mm -hmm. And when you're lacking good communication, then there's a lot of assumptions made. There's a lot of narratives being created in everyone's head about how it's going. And so if you can, at the beginning, communicate very clearly where you stand. And when things get really hard, communicate, like, I, I don't feel like I'm being heard, you know, like I feel like I'm being dismissed or whatever being and apologizing. I've had to apologize to people on my IEP teams before I've had to go to teachers and say, I, I mean, I said something on Instagram once when Macy was in third grade and 
somebody, and I didn't use any names, but people know, right? Like we live in little communities and I had to go to a teacher and apologize. And I think you just need to be willing to like, remember that everyone's a human being and assume that they're doing the best that they can and with what they know and what they have. And so then we can speak into that. It, it is so much about growth-minded versus closed-minded. And the IP team member that I talked about before, she, there was zero growth mindset within her, none. There was no, and it was just her, it was her approach to life. So that's not good. That's not helping anybody, you know, and especially not my Mason and the other teacher who I said, her gen ed teacher who was like, oh, if she said to me, I really think Mason, it would be best for Mason to be in a separate special ed classroom. I would take that to heart because of the trust I had with her. She was the most growth minded person I ever knew. So I think that mindset is huge, but you're dealing with so many individuals. I would say to this friend who wrote in though, I would feel like if you feel that uncomfortable with the teacher and it, I, I think it's your right to say this, this isn't going to work. We need a new plan. And maybe you need to sit down with the administrator or with the school psychologist and, or a mediator and like, get it all out on the table. Cause there's, for whatever reason, it sounds like with this teacher, there is a thing under the thing and that she's got to deal with that. And if it's, between all of that, then you got to deal with that. Like you got to work that out. Otherwise it's, um, it's just not going to be, it's not going to be helpful. And it could actually be very harmful to spend Mm -hmm. an entire year in a relationship like that with your child's educator. Yeah, for sure. Well, I, I'm so glad we could have this conversation and I feel like anytime that we can talk these things out, um, listeners, we love getting your questions and we love getting to have episodes like these where we mm-hmm. just get to go back and forth a little bit. Good job, everybody. In one little episode. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. We are going to take a little break and then come back with our good news. Okay, so my Macy has been wearing Jonas Paul eyewear glasses for years now. They have been our go-to for glasses, and here are the reasons why. First of all, they are so stylish and adorable. She feels confident and beautiful every time she has her glasses on. She absolutely loves them. They are comfortable with arms that are adjustable to fit her face and to fit behind her ears. Jonas Paul eyewear is affordable. Their prescription glasses start at just $79. That includes prescription lenses. And they currently offer blue light blocking lenses for extra screen time and online protection, which is great right now for all the screen time and online learning that our kids are doing. If you're interested, if your kid needs glasses, you need to head to jonaspauleyewear.com. You can use code THELUCKYFEW15 at checkout and save 15% off just for listening. You're going to thank me and your kid is going to look amazing. All right, my friends, we are back and it is time for good news, good news. From the toes to your head, good news. Good news. I have some good news. 
we're in summertime, as everybody knows. And Macy every year progresses as a swimmer. And it's so fun, you know, unless you have a pool or you live in Hawaii, you're not swimming every day. And then you <laughs> make all this progress and then it's winter. You don't swim. Yep. And then you make all this progress. But she is now, she was like figuring out how to get her head up above water if she'd go under, but it was just kind of an up and down. And now she's figured out how to like push herself across the water, That's under the water. Cool. Amazing. Um, and I, I feel so much more confident watching her in the pool. It's so cool to watch our kids progress. It's just the coolest. So amazing. She's, she's figuring it out. Yeah. It's good news. Cool. Cool. I have good news. Um, the other day we were setting the table for dinner and, you know, I was talking about transitions earlier and how Ace always needs somebody to hold his hand to like take him to the next thing. And everybody was like gathering around the table and Ace walked into the kitchen and he just marched over to his chair and climbed up and sat down at his seat. <gasps> and Yay, ready for dinner. Yes. <laughs> we were all so excited. Yes. And it was just a really, I feel like in terms of his engagement and his like participation in what's going on around him and our family, it's, it's just off the charts lately. It's been so cool. And so he's like, we're having a dinner and the boy, his big brothers were being silly and he was laughing at what they were doing, which Cute. was really, really cool too. Micah, so, that is very good news. Love that. Yeah. Good job. Ace face. Yeah. Good job. Mercy, you want to share any good news? Um, I feel like my good news is similar to your, to yours, Heather with swimming. Sunny has just like, we have a pool. So the place we're in right now, we have a pool and it's been like our saving grace during COVID. And it's been like the biggest, I mean, she goes in it every day and she's just swimming so well. Um, and I just, it's so cool. It's something that we can have friends over for like a pool hangout. And, um, she's, an equal member in the water, you know, she's a seven year old without floaties and just like swimming under the water, diving for stuff. And it's just really neat. I like to, like you're saying, Heather, it's so cool to see them progress in, um, I don't know. That's something that continues to include them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you do play dates and you want it to be successful. Yeah. We've got a pool. Sunny loves the pool. She'll stay right. in it. She'll engage. You know, it's just like another successful yeah. point of um, community conversation for her that's successful. Yeah. So that's exciting. I love that. She is a fish. She is a great a swimmer. A great swimmer. Self taught, you guys, this girl, uh, you just give her the tools and she'll teach herself. Um, yep. And it's just so apparent. It's cool. It's cool. That's awesome. We, we also have some good news from Instagram um, from at Amy Wiggs 83, who said that her, her Owen, who has a dual diagnosis, uh, flew through dental surgery with flying colors. So we, we are pumped for Owen. We're proud of him for being brave and so glad that it went well. So thanks, mm. Amy, for sharing that. Very cool. Yes. And we want to thank all of our listeners out there for joining us. Um, we are thankful again for our listener who sent that question. And mm. if you have questions or you're thinking through whether it's IEP stuff or health 
stuff or um, social emotional. We love to talk about it. We are not experts, but we love mm -hmm. to talk. So <laughs> it did our wedding. True. True. <laughs> and also we want to hear your good news. So please leave us a voicemail. You can find our number on our website or you can send us a, um, a, a message on Instagram and be sure to find us at the Lucky Few Pod on Instagram. If you have a product or a business that wants to help us shout the word of people with Down syndrome, by all means, we want to partner with you. So reach out to us at hello at the lucky few podcast.com for sponsorship opportunities. We want to thank our editor, Josh Avis, our producer, Val Schleider, our sponsor, and all of those who share the lucky few podcast with friends who listen faithfully, who cheer us on. Don't forget to subscribe, leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. And remember that you, dear listeners, supporting your loved one with Down syndrome, you are a shouter of worth and a narrative shifter. So keep on keeping on. We are cheering for you. We'll see you next time on the Lucky Two Podcast. Bye, friends. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Lucky Few Podcasts. Remember to review our show on Apple Podcasts and check us out on all social media at the Lucky Few Pod. Lastly, send us your good news by going to theluckyfewpodcast.com and sending us a message via text, voicemail, or email. See you next time.